afternoon. My name is Ray Montgomery, and I'd like to welcome you guys to the Navigating Blindness podcast. And today we have on the podcast with us Mr. James Michaels. How you doing, James? Just fine, Raymond. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good, James. I wanted to bring you on the podcast today and just talk about, um, you know, Bosley Enterprises, talk about programs and how you guys assist people on, you know, regaining their confidence and their independence and also get a little bit more information about you and maybe about guide dogs as well. So uh, first thing first, James, um, what's your title here at Bosman Enterprises? I am the Vice President of Program Services. Okay. And how long have you uh, been working here at Bosman Enterprises? You know, I started in 2002, so I guess about 16 years 16 now. Years? Okay. So in 2002, what were you uh, doing back in 2002? What was your re- responsibilities then? When I first started, I was the counseling services manager. So what I did was I met with all of um, the production employees and and uh, folks who were visually impaired and set helped them to set goals. Uh, what we called back then was our IPP individual program uh-huh. plans, and we set goals. and And then I also kind of acted as uh, an employee assistance person. So I worked with different folks throughout the com- company. Um, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, so. So I work with them if they're having any any issues outside of Bosma that they need to, to work on. Um, uh, if there's any anybody dealing with any kind of depression, anxiety, things of that nature, if they need some short term just uh, uh, counseling consultation, I was available for that. So let me let me go back just a tad. How did you get introduced to Bosma? Because um, uh, you are visually impaired, correct? Yes. Okay. And were you born visually impaired? You know, yes, it, uh, but I had a lot of good usable mm-hmm. vision up until I was probably close to 30. Okay. Um, I know it's hard to believe that I'm much over 30. <laughs> <right? laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm actually quite a bit over 30. But, um, but yeah, I had a lot of good usable vision. Just the older I got, the worse my vision became. So, so was, was it like retinitis pigmentosa? What, what kind of? It, it's, it's one of those retinal t- degenerative okay. diseases. It's called rod cone dystrophy. Okay. So, so for me right now, if I was to describe to you how I see, it's, if you think about a window that's eight inches by eight inches, and that window's got smudge prints all over it and cloudy, that's about how I see. Really, hardly any functional vision, um, just maybe hand motion yeah. if, if I'm having a good day. Okay. Because what, what I wanted to, you know, really kind of emphasize is that some people think that just because you say you're blind, that you're totally blind, but they don't understand that there's other levels of visual impairments that uh, people are actually have. So um, just really kind of we wanted to talk about that a little bit because I know people don't know. So sometimes if they don't know, you know, people tend to ask different questions and things of that nature. So Correct. Uh, so well, why don't I, you have a cane or why don't you have this or, yeah, <laughs> you know, so people yeah. always ask those questions. If you do have some visual um, acuity, they're going to ask, so well, why don't you have this? Uh, uh-huh. you know, so. Well, that's something we teach our, our clients all the time. We're helping them to think about how do you describe the way you can see hmm. and finding a good way to do that. Because a lot of times, you know, I'll have somebody say, oh, all I can see is really shadows. And then the next thing you know, though, they're able to read large print. Right. Um, they're able to see to navigate without, you know, walking into a wall or, or things of that nature. So, so really, just saying you see shadows is not a good description of what you can see. So, what is this? What is, um, I guess, the legal definition of having a visual impairment? What's the acuity of that? Do you know? 
You know, low vision, you know, uh, as what we consider low vision in Bosmas uh, for our programs is if you're having difficulties functioning in your daily life, okay. whether that's your work life or your home life. Um, now, low vision, I believe the somewhere around 20 over 60 or worse, you have low vision, and legal blindness is 20 over 200 or worse. And what that's referring to is for someone who has normal vision, what they can see clearly at 200 feet, someone who is visually impaired would have to have that at 20 feet if they were 20 over 200. Okay, okay. You just gave me a better idea of that, what all that means right now. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's good. I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to know actually too as well. And I know the listeners wanted to know as well. So you're running the rehab center and you guys just got a nice brand new building over there. How do you yeah. guys like it over there? Uh, you know, love it could be too strong, of a, not strong enough, I mean, because yeah. we really do love it. It's uh, a wonderful new facility. Um, you know, first of all, I just want to say, you know, thank you to our our team of architects and and um, our team of folks who uh, who work here and, and the, the folks who were the construction people. I mean, they all just did a wonderful job. Also, I want to thank, um, you know, the United Way for mm -hmm. helping to provide a, a capital uh, a grant to help us fund, uh, you know, half of the cost of the, of the build-out and renovations. So we, we love it. It's going to give us a lot more opportunities to provide group training. Uh, it's a bigger facility. Um, just, uh, you know, really, really designed well. So for, for those who don't know, the rehab center, we assist those people who are having trouble with their vision. So what kind of things do you guys walk them through once they enter the program? The thing I like to say is if somebody's coming through our rehab center, we want to make sure by the time they walk out that door, and it's usually about a, it can be anywhere from a three to five month long program. It can be shorter if someone has a lot of good usable vision. Um, but when somebody walks out the door, we want to say that they're ready for to live their life as independent as possible in their home environment. We want to say that they're able to be ready themselves to go back into the workforce, or if they're interested in some kind of training program, we want to help ready them to be able to navigate and be successful in, in that training program. Whether it's a college or some training uh, course out there that they want to take, we want to help them to be ready for that next step. And um, so we do that with a multidisciplinary team of, of instructors. And um, at any given time, we try to have around 10 to, to, to 15 clients coming mm -hmm. through our center and um, all different levels of vision. Um, you know, some, some people may have really good usable vision, but they're still having problems functioning in their daily lives. Right. Like somebody with retinitis pigmentosa. And that, that's one of the retinal degenerative diseases. So maybe they have 20-20 central vision, but they're like looking through a, a, a small tunnel. Yeah. You know, and so they're not able to see to their sides and peripherally. So those folks will have really difficult times traveling. Um, they can also nighttime. There's sometimes people have night blindness, so they they see really good in good lighting, but they don't in other kinds of lights. So so our clients have all types of, of different uh, visual impairments that they have, and at, at the end of the day, they're all setting individual goals to help them to kind of like I said, to get to that next step. So all clients do not 
I guess, particularly have the same curriculum as they go through the program? Yeah, no, we, you know, we have a basic teaching plans, but not yeah. everybody chooses to have the, you know, the same goals and, okay. and, and are involved with that. So, so let me say this, though. Somebody says, hey, you know, I want to go back to work, and yet they're like, I, I don't want to use, but I don't want to learn to travel independently with a white cane. And we're like, well, then, then we're, we're really concerned that you're not ready to go back to work. <laughs> like, if you're not able to travel to your, to your place of uh, yes. employment um, independently. So, you know, that's where we kind of have to look at is somebody really ready for training at this point. Because sometimes people, it's, it's hard because they're not quite ready. But, you know, not everybody who's visually impaired needs to use a cane. You know, they, right. Some people have some really good usable vision. Mm -hmm. So we work with the client where they're at with this multidisciplinary team, and we help them with everything from travel skills to uh, cooking and cleaning, medication management, um, uh, coping with the psychological and emotional adjustments to vision loss. We have group counseling and, and uh, individual counseling is, is, is available as well. Uh, we do assistive technology, so helping folks to uh, utilize you know, the smartphone technology, iOS uh, technology, iPads, uh, yeah. computers, um, anybody that comes through our program, if they have a vocational or higher education goal, then we'll, Bosma will fund them to be able to receive a laptop because we want them to be able to leave here and continue to practice those skills that they've yes. learned. Um, and then we also have, uh, you know, Braille and communications, you know, helping people to find ways of communicating not only with themselves but with others. We use uh, low, we have low vision aids that we work with people on, uh, helping them to maximize their current level of vision with visual and ocular aids. So we really just take the client from, you know, where they're at and help them to develop an individualized uh, plan that'll get them to where they need to go next. Now one thing that you do have, uh, you didn't mention, was the manual skills. Manual uh, skills, absolutely. Don't don't yeah. Yeah. <laughs> people, so we do have manual yeah. skills too. And that's in that area is where people will you know, do some basket weaving. Yeah. They might do, uh, you know, do some woodworking. They'll do some minor home repairs. And it's really not so much about doing those kinds of things it's more about learning how to use your hands as opposed to your vision yes most of the folks that come through our program have recently lost vision as adults and they're learning how to develop their fine motor and tactual skills and they're not trying to rely so much on their vision so some people who have some remaining vision they're squinting they're straining they're trying to, to use their vision and you know that's okay but you also want to be able to use your, your tactual abilities too and sometimes if somebody has a degenerative eye disease, we'll put them under a blindfold and we'll have them do work under the blindfold. And even if they don't, sometimes we do as well just to help them to really hone in on those those fine motor and tactual skills. And one thing, the reason I brought up the manual skills is I know a lot of, you know, sometimes as a man, you know, sometimes you lose that confidence. So you want, that's a confidence builder. You're able oh, yeah. to fix uh, the toilet. Are you able to screw something in? Because people are like, how do you do that? So. That's just really just giving that confidence once again within yourself. Oh my you know. goodness, the, the, the person who heads that up, our, our instructor in that area, his name is John Manick. And uh, before he lost his vision, he was an airplane mechanic. And so he, losing his vision, you know, he still wanted to be able to fix things. He's one of those guys who can fix, you know, and do almost anything when it comes to working with his hands. Something that I have no skill at at all, just to throw that out there. <laughs> but 
he's wonderful at those things and he still wants to do it and so yeah. he's he really does a great job and honestly we gave him a project uh, he's one who can usually figure it out and get the dimensions together and design it and do whatever you know he needs to do with his hands and yeah he doesn't he doesn't do it like I do he doesn't pay a whole lot of money to get home repairs you know down at his house yeah he, he like well you know like me I tried to use a, a power drill one time James I was like okay now I don't think this is gonna work for me uh, yeah I, I was like no nah, I'm gonna stay away from the power well, drill for a minute I'm gonna stick, go back to the screwdriver right now well he's thinking about when I could see a lot better I wasn't good at it so uh, it's probably not good that I do it now either yeah so. I got a handyman now so yeah, same here but you know but what are what are some of the fears a person has once they lose their sight? When when they come in the program, what are some of their you know yeah. fears? You know, I want to give you this scenario. I want you to think about this, and this is these are these are stories that I've heard from our clients. Some one of my one of my clients was saying that uh, you know I, I knew I was you know having some you know dealing with some problems with my vision, but I just thought I really need to get glasses, and I and I was putting things off. And one day I was in my car and I was driving along and the sun was kind of low in the sky and I realized I can't see the lines on the road and I'm, I'm not sure where my turn's at and you know they slowed down and they, they got themselves you know off the road and, and off to where they needed to go and thinking okay I'm just going to need glasses. Then another client tells me I was out there I was playing golf and I hit the ball and I couldn't see where it went. I was like, wow, wow, boy, I really need to get my eyes checked. Another client told me they were waking up in the morning and they noticed that they were having a hard time seeing the digital readout on their alarm clock. And they thought, wow, this, this, these lights are just getting dimmer. Mm -hmm. And then they realized, they go to the eye doctor and the eye doctor tells them, there's really not much more we can do. You know, we'll send you to a specialist. And the specialist checks out things and and tries to help them out and realizes there's not much more they can do. So when that happens, oftentimes you can imagine people think, oh my goodness, you know, my life is over. Yes. I'm gonna have to go on disability, I'm not gonna be able to work, I'm not gonna be able to provide for my family, I'll have to, you know, let my wife or my husband or my mom or my dad, you know, take care of us and do everything for us. And then the hope is that they find out about resources like Bosma or some other resource out there in the community and they realize that their life isn't over they just have to do things differently and that's a huge huge change of mindset yes that's that's the biggest thing to overcome I would say because it's really just not knowing and not being exposed to you know people with different uh, disabilities I would say mm -hmm. and I know how they do things because I think each one of us could teach, you know, someone how to do things. And I may go to the store this way or somebody may go this way. So mm -hmm. we all don't do things the same way at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah, and the reason I bring that up because I know you use a guide dog a lot. I do. And he's sitting over there right now. He's kind of quiet. He's right <laughs> under this table right here just sleeping away. What's his name? His e name's Eli. All right. what, what are some of the benefits of having a guide dog over uh, using a cane sometimes? You know... It was probably about, I don't know, eight or nine years ago, and, and my vision has declined quite a bit since then even. But back then, I still had a little bit of usable vision. I could still see when I was walking, if I was getting ready to come up to a corner of a door, and I had my cane, you know, but I still was, you know, I, I still was struggling to get around. And, and a friend of mine, who I was going on a 
beat baseball tournament with. That's a softball for people who are blind. We were traveling and he didn't have hardly, you know, he's got light perception and doesn't have, didn't have nearly as much vision as I had at the time. And I noticed he's getting around much better than I am. And um, so I thought to myself, you know what, as my vision declines, maybe a dog guide would help me get around quicker. And that's what it is. Maybe it's not better, but he was getting around quicker than mm -hmm. I was. So if you think about this, the cane is an object finder. You have that cane out in front of you, you run into a chair, you move around, go around it. You run into a corner of a, a wall, you go around. You run into a door, you, you go, you know, you realize you're at the door, and then you open it up and go in. The dog, on the other hand, is an object avoider. So, you know, and just avoiding objects is faster than touching them and then going around them. Yeah. So, to me, that's, I, I like the idea of uh, speeding up, you know, the, the way in which I get around. And then also, too, you know, if I go to meetings and, you know, I'm, I'm seems like I'm always out going to a meeting somewhere, you know. Probably two or three times a week I'm out of the office going to different buildings and different locations for meetings. And with with Eli here, you know, if I'm going to a place and I'm not sure where the door is, I get dropped off and I can usually say to him, let's go find the door. And he'll find a door to go inside. And you know, as a person who's using your cane, you have to kind of try to listen to see where everybody else is going in and, and you kind of try to, you know, feel yeah. your way up to the door. Yes. It's a little easier with a dog because they'll find a door. They have these commands that they know to find the command. So for, for me in that regard, it helps. Also, too, elevators. He's really pretty darn good at finding elevators. So if I go into a big hotel, I can say find the elevator, and he'll find the elevator. Cool, cool. And, and the, the other thing I think is really helpful for me, too, is, is if I'm in, in a building and I say, let's go outside. So if I'm like in a restaurant, he'll find the door 90% of the time. So, um, just for everybody's information, we do not train on guide dogs here at Bosman Enterprises, but where did you go to get that training and yeah. obtain your dog? Now, here's something I think everybody should know this too, because a lot of times people think, hey, if I lose my vision, then I'll get a dog and they'll, they'll you know, help me to travel a lot safer. And they, you know, really the, a part of the dog is, is you, you are the one knowing where you know when to cross the street you have to give them those commands the dog doesn't know when to cross the street you go up he finds the corner and he'll find where the the edge of the the road is and the what they usually have these truncated domes mm -hmm. um, that they, from the sidewalk to the to the street and they'll stop and then you still as a person who's visually impaired have to listen for the traffic and know when it's safe to go so I say forward and now, if he decides, you know, if he, you know, if he sees that it's not clear, he has, they, they've trained him to have something called intelligent disobedience. So he'll disobey if I tell him to go and it's not safe, he will stop. At least he's supposed to. Yes. So far, knock on wood, <laughs> he has yes. done that. But, but really, honestly though, That's great. I'm, I'm, I know when it's time to cross the street and I give him the right commands, you know, 99% of the time. So, um, so your question was then, Tell me your question. Uh, my question um, was, now you got me on the spot. <laughs> my question was <laughs> about the guide dog. Oh, that, where did you go to uh, obtain oh, the guide dog? So, so I got him at, um, at uh, Guide Dogs for the Blind in San Rafael, California. Okay. So Guide Dogs has a, a location in Boring, Oregon and San Rafael, California. 
And for me, I'm thinking boring or San Rafael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I made the I made the choice. Right. It, was, it was actually in uh, the spring, you know, kind of yeah. the early spring, like you know, this spring here that's not spring at all in no. Indiana right now in April. But uh, I knew I didn't want to go someplace really cold yes. to to get trained. And I guess what I was leading up to earlier about the knowing when to travel is is really you know you have to have good cane skills. Or there's not no guide dog school will will let you come in because you have to be able to to know how to travel safely and then the guide dog is just another tool to help you as a person who's blind travel safely. Now, how long was the training for the guide dog? Uh, well, first they sent me I bet it was a hundred pages of uh, of different materials that I needed to review. So it talked about uh, obedience kind of training. Uh, they talked about how to travel in snow. They talked about how to, uh, you know, you know, forward. They just just kind of helped give you just a, a picture of what the training is going to look like. So they sent me all those materials a couple months ahead of time, and then I went to San Rafael, and they flew me out there. They paid for all the cost of all the training. They flew me out to San Rafael, and then I uh, was there for two weeks. Okay. So it was a two-week intensive program. You know, we did training throughout the day, and then we had training at night. Uh, you know, it was really a, a whirlwind of a program. The first week, I thought, "Oh my gosh, I'll never learn how to do this." And by the end of the week, I was the second week. I was like, "Wow, hey, I'm really getting it here." Right. Felt much more comfortable. And then they also do this, though, Raymond. And I think this is very important: is once you get your dog, they'll do follow-up. Uh, calls and then they'll also do a follow-up visit every year if you need it more than that they would come and, and help you out okay so i know a lot of people want to come up to you when they see the dog or are they allowed to pet the dog when he's working you know it's really it's much easier on me if people don't pet him when he's got his harness on mm -hmm. other than that you know if he has harness off i would be fine with it okay now some people are more strict about it than others oh, you know, yeah. some people are he's, hey, don't pet my dog he's yeah. working and you know it doesn't mean that they're being mean but but if your dog gets distracted when you're working oh, yeah. it can really be hazardous you know yes. so um, but then some people are you know don't mind as much yeah. so just, just be considerate that he's working right now he's just not here for you know show or anything like that yeah but good, good. One, one random question like that i'm throwing out there to some of my guests right now if you were an animal james what what kind of animal would you want to be and why hmm wow that's a good question well i guess i probably want to be uh a lion <laughs> a lion yeah. yeah king of the jungle yeah. i you know i don't know, i just think they're beautiful they're, yeah they're they're Powerful, they're sleek, they're fast, you know. They, they rule things in out there in the jungle, so you don't want to mess with no lion. That's right. That's I was thinking, actually, just, <laughs> why not? Why go something uh, wimpy, you know? All <laughs> uh, right, that's it. Why, <laughs> I'm not going to choose a mouse. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> a zebra, no. Nah. Uh, yeah, well, one question, I mean, you had brought this up just briefly. Uh, you talked about beat baseball, and I know it's summer, springtime now. Um, beat baseball, what is beat baseball? For those who do not know, it's it's a modified form of softball that was designed for people who are blind or visually impaired. So, for if you think at any given time, six people can play. Mm -hmm. So you have six people in the field, and then you have six people in your batting lineup. And the 
the difference is, is you don't really play on a baseball diamond. You play on, you know, we usually try to play on soccer fields because okay. you want smooth grass and you want to be in grass the whole time. Because when you're stopping the ball out there, you know, as a person who's blind, you know, you're not going to catch a pop fly. So what you'll want to try to do is get in front of the ball, stop it, and then pick it up and have it controlled before the person gets to the base. And it's, there's a home plate, and there's a first, and there's a third base. And then there's a pitcher that's only 20 feet away from the, the home plate, and the pitcher is on your team. So the pitcher wants you to hit the ball, which is a little different than, you know, yeah. typical baseball. Right. <laughs> so if the pitcher's striking you out too much, that, you know, that's where you charge the mound because they're on your team. Right. You can really legally do that. And <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what's his ERA looking like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, what are you doing? You're striking me out. But uh, so is the batter, you know, because everybody, by the way, you know, like we talked about earlier, everybody has different levels of vision. So what they do is they put blindfolds on the people in the field and the and the batters are blindfolded as well so that way the playing field is level so everybody's totally blind when you're playing beat baseball and so as the batter you want to swing in the same spot all the time with your you know good solid hard swing and then the the pitcher will always try to throw into that spot and the pitcher will, and the ball beeps and the bases buzz so the ball will you know have a beep 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 and they'll say set, ready, pitch, and they let go of pitch. And then as the batter, you know you need to wait just about one second. So like one swing. Mm -hmm. And then when you swing, you know, it's uh, you know, hopefully you're hitting the ball. Yes. And if you hit the ball, it goes out in the field, and the fields are it's uh it's it's kind of like the same width you'd have a if you were well, it's I'm not sure if it's the same exact it's probably yeah, about close to the same width though as you would have in regular baseball. You know how you're sitting up there at the home plate and then your first and your third, then everything kind of goes out into the field like a, a pie, a, a piece of a pie, a slice of a pie. So the ball goes out there and it's, it goes into, when it goes into different zones, a spotter who's sighted will say three. And that's way we'll know, okay, the ball's on, on the three side. And we cut the field in half. So we have a left field and a right field, just like you have a first baseman and a shortstop and those things. So if the spotter says three, then you know you just kind of converge towards the three. And if it goes by you, you want to be staggered so that way you're not running into each other out mm -hmm. there because collisions do happen every now and again yeah. when you are you know you got six people blindfolded out there trying to get a ball, and you only have about usually five to six seconds to get a ball because players are pretty fast running to those bases. So you uh, you know you'll dive out like a soccer goalie and you'll try to stop it and pick it up and control it. If you get it before the person gets to the base, they're out. And if they get to the base first, they are safe and it's a run. So it counts as a score. So it counts as a score. And there's a first and a third base. And with this, the bases are foamy pylons. So they're about four feet high and they buzz. And what happens is they don't turn the base on until the ball is hit. So as soon as they hear that connection with the ball, and then they turn on one of the bases and then you don't know which base is going to be turned on, so you have to hit, listen, and run. And it's kind of, once you do it for after a while, it's like a one fluent motion. Yeah. Hit, you're coming through, your, you know, you're swinging through the zone, and boom, you'll hear the base and you run to it. And it's, uh, so it don't really matter if you go to first or third, as long as you... Don't, you have to go to the one that's buzzing. Buzzing, oh, whatever, okay. If you run to the one that's not buzzing, 
then we're going to call you a cheater because <laughs> you're, you're, you're looking to see where that face is going most likely. You know, you're looking under the, under the blindfold or something. But yeah, you need to run to the one that's on. That's 100 feet away, so it's 10 feet farther out than it is in regular baseball. Okay. Cool. And that's just to help the defense because, you know, it's hard to hold in on a ball that's hit with a line drive, you know, and yeah. try to get to that before. Before they get to that base. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's, a, it's such a fun game. I'm getting, honestly, I'm getting to the point where I need to retire, retire. soon. It's, yeah, I'm getting old, but I would love to win a championship before I do. Yeah. The yeah. World Series is going to be in uh, Wisconsin this year. And there's usually anywhere between 20 to 25 teams that's in the World Series, and it's a really big tournament. And you know, if you win that tournament, then you are the the champ, and it's a wonderful feeling. Oh, and actually, yeah. this there's two teams in Indianapolis, and the Indy Thunder is the team that won the uh, World Championship the last two years in a row. Ooh. And I'm on the Indy Edge, which is very okay. sad for me that we didn't win it <laughs> two years in a row. But right. we've got a really good team, so. Well, cool, cool. Yeah. Well, maybe this is the year, James. That's this is it. The this That's is right. The so right all here. your listeners. Pull for the edge. Pull it's time. For the edge. It is time. You don't want they. Nobody wants to see me play until I'm 80 because I'm still waiting for that ring. <laughs> you try to that's get that it. ring. That's it. Yeah, it's it's getting ugly already. <laughs> well, you gonna be like Carl Malone out there? <laughs> yeah, me and Carl. <laughs> There's old players out there. Cool, cool. So, um, if anyone wants to uh, get involved with the uh, Bosma or need any assistance, you know, as far as with their vision, how do they get? Uh, how do they obtain services to uh, Bosma Enterprises? Yeah, there's a, there's a few different ways. Uh, I would encourage people, if they have the ability or if they have a family member or friend, to go to bosma.org. That's B as in boy, O-S-M-A dot O-R-G, and look up programs and see what kind of programs are out there. Or they could call 1-888-567-3422. That's 888-56-REHAB and just ask about programs. Ask to talk to someone about some of our programs that we offer. We offer uh, vision rehabilitation training where someone could go in and work with somebody in their home. We also offer a center-based program where people come and, and these are the folks who typically are interested in getting the full program and, and you know going back to college or going to work. And then we also have an employment services program where we help people find jobs out in the community, and that's within Marion County and the surrounding eight counties. And then we have also some other basic training programs too. So if anybody wants to learn more about what we do, please contact us. You know, for me, folks, I get paid to support and encourage people. And that's the mindset of our team. And, uh, you know, we want to do whatever we can to help people succeed. I have this big, you know, I have this big goal. You know, when you take business classes, and several years ago we were taking these classes and they said, you know, we should all think about a, what they call a BHAG. And what that stands for is a big, hairy, audacious goal. And for me, my, my goal is to, to work with a team that's gonna help reduce the unemployment rate for people with disabilities. I wanna say cut it in half within 10 years. That's my big, big, hairy, audacious goal, my okay, BHAG. Cool. And um, we wanna be able to do that and, and help folks to, to live a better life. And, be a part of it so anything we can do to help you out please give us a call and if we can't help you we'll send you someplace that that we feel like might be able to okay and we do cover all 92 counties across uh, indiana so northern southern central and 
know, we put you up in a hotel, and, you, you know, and then we take care of you. So that's great information, um, James. I appreciate you coming on the podcast today and letting us know about rehab, beat baseball, and also about Eli down there. Yeah, you know, yeah. I want to take a nap too. <laughs> yeah, you know, and honestly, it's it's for the guide dog. You know, either either way of traveling is a, a good way of traveling. Mm-hmm. It's just a personal preference. Yeah. You know, the, the one thing that's tough about a dog. Going outside in this cold weather, taking them out. Oh, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Like that. Just put my cane up in the corner. But, you know, it's a great companion. He's a great companion and does, helps me a lot, too. So, All right. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast once again. And want to make sure everybody subscribes to the Bosma Navigating Blindness podcast on iTunes. And uh, I'll check you guys out next week. Thank you. Thank you.